Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to continue our exploration of Pluto's upcoming entrance into the sign of Aquarius. Uh, we're going to talk today about why the sign of Aquarius is sometimes associated with perfectionism, and we're going to talk about five different ways that perfectionism may sneak in on us over the next couple of decades as Pluto is moving through the sign of Aquarius, and also how we can sort of counter some of those perfectionist tendencies that come with this sign. Um, I think this is going to be a really good way of prepping us for one of the subtler and more long-term effects of this transit uh, that's not going to maybe appear like right away, but can set in slowly um, over the years to come. So that is our agenda for today. And uh, as always, before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want, you can find a transcript of today's talk on the website, which is nightlightastrology.com. If you have a story to share this week or uh, from earlier this month, as Saturn entered Pisces or Pluto enters Aquarius, use the hashtag grab, tell us which transit you're referring to, and then share your story. I'm going to be collecting some of those and doing a storytelling episode soon. So I'm really trying to make sure that we get a bunch of people's stories in uh, and have a really nice storytelling episode to share with you uh, shortly. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget that this week we are in the midst of promoting my um, uh, pop-up sale for all of my online courses. Uh, we did this as a way of trying to help some people out uh, who were um, interested in receiving the Kickstarter discount, but were not able to participate in um, in the Kickstarter at the time that the sale was active. So we get some of those requests in, and then we decide, okay, we're gonna do, we'll just do a one-week pop-up sale since we've gotten enough requests. We did it one for one week last year. We're doing it again this year. So if you go onto the website nightlightastrology.com and click on the courses page. If you click on any of the programs and go to the bottom of the screen, you'll see that the normal early bird rate for the program is replaced with a flash sale rate. And that is the Kickstarter rate that we had uh, during those last days of 2022. So you can take advantage of that for the upcoming first year program, which starts in um, the month of June. You could also um, uh, sign up for year two, or you could sign up for the Horary program, all of which start in June. Those are one-year training programs. Um, you can look over the course pages if you want to learn more about the different programs that we offer and training programs that we offer. Uh, and the Readings and Passages Masterclass in Roots and Spheres, you could buy next year's program or join this year's a little bit late. You can catch up with the recordings if you miss them already. Uh, so if you have any questions about the sale or our programs, pl please feel free to email us info at nightlightastrology.com. If you look in the comments section of this of today's post or the description of the video, you'll also find a link to the two and four class passes that we're offering, which are the biggest savings. So if you want to bundle two of our programs together or any four of the programs together, the savings goes up even more. So you got like a four or $500 discount on um, most of the programs and those go up if you bundle two or four programs together. So we're running this um, just until the 27th of March at midnight. So be sure you take advantage of this before then. And again, any questions, email us info at nightlightastrology.com. I hope to see some of you in class soon. We'll be promoting the spring program starting in April. So uh, it's just a little flash sale before that begins. Okay, well, um, I am, as you guys know, uh, the 23rd of March, Pluto enters the sign of Aquarius. And so we have been talking about this from a number of different angles. But recently I read a long section from the astrology of fate. And there was one part of it that we opened up as a way of talking about the sign of Aquarius. <clears throat> and it had to do with perfectionism. Like Uranus, the heavenly diamond of perfectionism suffers eventually at the hands of that which it has cast out, but is redeemed in other more ambiguous forms. Um, there is 
a way in which the sign of Aquarius seeks for progress and perfection, whether that's through societal utopia, societal, I didn't say the, 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 the word, so that doesn't count. <laughs> uh, Aquarius can seek for perfection um, on the social level uh, or the personal level. And sometimes in doing so, there is a sense of disgust with the animal body nature, the, the, the earthly dimension of things, the material dimension of things. Aquarius can become so focused on the our angelic potential that it can cast a judgmental eye toward the earthly reality. And that's just that's just part of what Aquarius brings. That's its gift. Uh, the gift in some ways is that of progress, idealism, and per perfecting um, um, ourselves as as people, as a collective. But it's also the weakness insofar as a sense of the the condemnation of what makes us actually human is uh, uh, goes along with it. This is that joke that I mentioned in another video. What, you know, Aquarians love humanity but hate people. <laughs> there's there's a sense of impatience or intolerance toward the way that things are, the messiness of human life, um, that comes along with the sense that there is some greater potential we could all realize. So. We talked a lot about we've talked a lot about the the paradox of that uh, of the archetype of Aquarius this week, uh, progress and judgment uh, uh, and so forth. Today, I want to talk about five different ways that perfectionism can sneak in on us over the next couple of decades while Pluto's going through Aquarius, and uh, the shadow of perfectionism can grow and potentially become a real stumbling block for some of us, but nonetheless, something that we can learn a great deal from. I think it's good to bring awareness to these things. So today, five ways that perfectionism could sneak in on us during the next couple decades of Pluto and Aquarius, and how we might counteract that uh, that that perfectionist shadow. Now, wanting to improve ourselves, is no, there's nothing wrong with that. Perfectionism, we're, 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 the way I'm defining perfectionism today would be the kind of progress that... Um, constantly looks down upon or even judges things in the way that they are. And so the spirit of perfectionism that I'm trying to address today is the problematic shadow dimension of Aquarius that Pluto in Aquarius could bring up. So how does it sneak in five ways? Number one, what I have seen or experienced makes me more evolved. You know, whether that's, uh, I remember when I got back from drinking ayahuasca for a while, and I'm just trying to be honest, even though it's not a fun thing to admit, um, you know, I, I thought that I what I had seen and experienced made me better than other people. Now, I wouldn't have walked around consciously thinking I'm better than other people. But I thought, well, I, I know and see and have understood a lot of things about the nature of reality and consciousness that like other people haven't haven't. And so that makes me more evolved and sort of sophisticated. And the same goes for trauma. Sometimes the trauma uh, that we see and experience, it does set us aside and, and apart from other people. It for many people who experience trauma, you know, it's like the, the veil is thinned and you can see through in, in into spirit. You become much more sensitive because of trauma in ways that other people may not know. So there's a reality to having mystical experiences, traumatic experiences, um, traveling into different parts of the world, having different forms of education available to you, uh, many of which are, are, you know, terrible things that happen and some of which are real privileged things that, that could happen to us. 
But we get this sense that, well, what I've seen or experienced that somehow sets, sets me apart for others means that I'm more evolved. And you don't usually consciously think that way because you, you, you know, you're smart enough not to let a voice running around in your head going like, I'm better than everyone else. But it subtly will, will, will be thinking and taking that posture uh, in the unconscious. Um, and so one of the things that we can do to replace this idea that what I've seen or experienced makes me more evolved than other people is to replace that sentiment with this. Replace that sentiment of what I've seen makes me different with um, if I've had experiences that feel uh, maybe different or they feel like they've set me apart from others, then maybe I can replace that with the desire to share that experience with other people which does not mean preach to other people, convert other people, proselytize to other people, or take some kind of high horse, let me show you what I've seen that's so special. I think about it a little bit more like, rather than saying, well, thinking to ourselves, oh, I've had an experience that makes me better or sets me apart, that we could say something like, um, I've seen something really interesting and I just really want to know, I wanna, I wanna share with other people what I've seen. And I, by that, I don't mean like a testimonial. I mean, is there some way to find communities of people, for example, that have had similar experiences? Then you don't feel so alone and it can kind of normalize what you've seen or experienced a little bit more, bring you into community and um, give you empathy and, and compassion for maybe people who, you know, maybe they've never had anything super traumatic happen that doesn't give them the same insight, or maybe they've never had a mystical experience or whatever, rather than feeling like better and needing to convert people. I find communities of like-minded friends or people who have had similar experiences. And that just helps me feel like at least in one part of my life, I have a sense of belonging through that identity rather than constantly being set apart because it's the feeling that it sets me apart that uh, can lead to a, a very subtle like hubris. Um, so finding some community can be a really nice way to make sure that we don't develop hubris around those kinds of experiences that have, have set us apart from others in some way, which is a very Aquarian thing. Uh, so I wanna share with others. I wanna find communities of like-minded people that have had similar experiences and that can help me normalize that this is, this is it's like going to a zoo, you know, um, you know, it's like if if my daughter sees the monkeys, you know, one of the first things that she does is go, hey, come over here. Come over here. Look at this. Look at this. I want to show you. Can you see? Look at And then she wants to share in seeing the monkeys. It would be really strange if she came back and was like, I saw the monkeys, you know, so I'm just saying I'm a little bit better than you. You know, <laughs> you know? it's like, well, you know. But it's really that simple. It's like, you know, reality is sort of like a, a, a wild zoo, you know, or a, it's, it's not a zoo. Well, it is a zoo. <laughs> okay, I've lost my thread, whatever. So <laughs> we all want to, it's, it's like experience itself are like, you know, wild, beautiful animals just walking around reality. And the idea is, can we move from thinking that what we've seen or experienced in this beautiful garden of life sets us apart from others in terms of a value hierarchy of who's better or worse. And instead just be like, Hey, have you seen that peacock? You know, like, or you haven't. Oh, and you're like, you, you're getting, you're getting weird about the fact that I'm really excited to show you a peacock. Uh, okay. I'll just try to find other people who have seen the peacock. <laughs> this is going up the rails. <laughs> All right. Anyway, number two, I have so many gifts or on the other hand, sometimes people, are, I have so many flaws. Now, I mean, obviously I think that there is 
it's more obvious when someone's like, I am so gifted. I have so many gifts to offer. I just have to find out the best way to offer them and then make a living doing it. <laughs> you know, like all of that. Um, not a lot of people are, are like that. I think like, a lot of people are more modest than that, that like to walk around being like, I'm so gifted, you know, that would be an obvious example of feeling like, and often it's not that it's not just the walking around saying I'm so gifted. That would be Aquarian. It's the feeling that I'm so gifted, but also misunderstood and I'm not getting the right opportunities and I can't find a way to, you know, um, integrate some of the, the gifts that I have and realize their potential or, you know, whatever it is. But the opposite thing is also true. And I think that people who struggle with perfectionism will sometimes think to themselves, well, look, I'm not going to be, I'm not a perfectionist. So what I'm going to do is to admit, you know, very openly and, you know, uh, with no shame that I have lots of flaws. Oh my God, the flaws I have, you know, <laughs> but it's actually in some ways, isn't it just, isn't it just the same kind of perfectionism coming in? There's a there's a weird way in which being like I have so many gifts or I have so many flaws uh, can in in equal measure can be a sign of people who are um, who have a they're they're captured by the, the spirit of perfectionism. It's like, well, you know, and how can we counter that? We can replace with I have a few gifts, you know, maybe I have a few, <laughs> not not so many, you know, but I have I have some gifts, probably not so much more or less than anyone else. And we can kind of make ourselves, bring ourselves back to being a common citizen of reality. You know, beings in reality are all pretty magical and they all have gifts. Not so many or, or you know, I'm, it, it, moving from the extreme of either I'm, I have a bank account full of gifts or I'm totally bankrupt and I have so many flaws, you know, but both extremes of feeling like I just have so many, I'm so flawed right? It's like, we don't want to take pride in our flaws any more than we want to take some kind of excessive pride in how special or unique we are. Both are traps of perfectionism. So I'm, I'm conscious of this. I remember, you know, when I studied memoir writing in graduate school and I read a lot of confessional memoirs and it was like, you know, it's very attractive and appealing to read someone who's just pouring out how imperfect they are. And probably more so than reading someone who's just navel gazing and celebrating themselves in some like super arrogant, like self-centered way. But after a while of reading tons of memoirs and seeing that that confessional style of like, look how broken and flawed and uh, like that th there's a perfectionism and an arrogance in that too. So how can we be common? You know, beings have some flaws. They have some gifts. It's pretty normal. But normalizing doesn't mean taking away our dignity or our uniqueness. It just means that uniqueness is a common feature of life rather than, you, you know, I'm uniquely flawed or I'm uniquely gifted. Number three, I want to realize my potential. Remember that the age of Aquarius and the new age also sometimes associated with the human potential movement. I want to realize my potential. I mean, one of the most common things I hear when people come in for readings, I just want to know how to realize my potential. It's like that phrase I have heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And I, I don't know, like I understand where it's coming from. You know, there's there's a sense that we have something in us that wants to express itself and grow uh, in this life, a daimon, a soul guide, a sense of being on a journey. All of that's very real to me too. And I think we can use astrology to help people find that. Um, but there's also this, um, there's this sense of if we're always focusing on how to grow and how to evolve and how to get better, um, that 
you know, A, we lose curiosity with the present moment and where we are already, uh, and we forget how to relish where we are right now. And so, you know, I think there's always a season for feeling like I have some potential that needs to be realized and I need to take the next step. I think it's a very real thing. But if you're constantly focused, if you find yourself over the next couple of decades as Pluto is going through Aquarius, constantly focused on how to realize my potential, what's my next step toward my potential? Replace with, I'm curious. I don't know what my potential is. I don't presume to know that I even have some big potential that needs to be realized. I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested in who I am and where my life is going, but I'm open about it. I'm open and curious about who I'm becoming. And I'm relishing each step. This is where I am right now. And I'm also going to stay curious and interested in here and what I'm doing now. And as long as we have that working, if that muscle's working, then when it's time to take a big step and move into our potential, you know, it's not going to be, I, I think it's far, it's less likely that it becomes a, a kind of com compulsive and neurotic thing. Anyway, number four, I know I can do better. Now, this might not be so much realizing my potential as much as it is correcting faults and flaws uh, and and um, overcoming shadows and, and like bad negative shadow characteristics of ourselves. I know I can do better than what I'm doing right now. I'm being eaten alive by my shadows, so I need to do better. Well, again, uh, isn't that true? I mean, we can all relate to that. We all, there's all, for all of us, there are times where you know you can do better and you ought to do better and you should and so you do or you try you fail as you try whatever but insofar as this becomes a compulsive sense of uh, guilt and um, missing the mark which is another way of describing what the word sin originally meant uh, insofar as we feel ashamed constantly and though we're we're not doing as good as we can or ought to do whether it's as a parent or a worker or a creative or whatever it is, we might replace that with, I don't know who or what I am, what I need or what I shouldn't or should or shouldn't be doing. Now, I know that like as a mantra, that might sound like a pretty crappy mantra because it sounds like being stuck in some place, some kind of goopy um, uncertainty, or it sounds like directionless or rudderless or can't see the stars at the, on the, you know, on the ocean in your ship and you can't navigate if you just live by these mantras. But to me, that's not true um, because it's all in the spirit of how we use these mantras. Uh, I don't know who or what I am doesn't mean that I have a negative opinion about myself. It means that I'm, I, I'm not going to form assumptions and judgments and static positions and ideas about who or what I am. I'm going to stay open. I don't know exactly who or what I am. I think I'm a spirit soul. I, you know, my name is Adam. I was given that name. I... I'm an, I think I'm an astrologer, you know, like I'm a, I guess I'm a husband and I'm a father and whatever. And we have ideas, you know, but it's, it's, it's like, can we, whenever that spirit of like, I just need to do better comes up, we can sometimes just counter that by saying, look, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I don't know exactly what I need or what I should or ought to be doing with my life. And, you know, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying my best. And but I'm okay to not know exactly what my nature is, exactly what I need, exactly what my faults or flaws are, exactly why they tend to possess me in the way that they do. It's just that where there's a voice of, of, of judgment saying like, you're not doing good enough and you can be doing better. Sometimes it's good to just counter that voice with a little bit of 
the a, a, a dose of humble uncertainty. Like, well, thank you for informing me that I'm getting a C minus in life. And I really appreciate your evaluation. There's this other part of me that wants you to know that I don't know what grade I deserve, you know? And I don't know what standard by which standard an A versus a C is actually measured. I, I just don't know. So if we can counter that voice that's giving us a C minus with some of this sacred uncertainty, um, it can take the weight off from us. And it can at the very least provide us with a little space in which to breathe and contemplate what maybe what can or should I be doing differently, if anything, or do I just need to be a little less hard on myself? How could you even know the difference if you can't quiet that voice of judgment enough to, you know, relax? So, and that's kind of why I use these mantras myself. Number five is you or we can all do better. Now, this is just the opposite of what, I mean, this is just the social judgment version rather than the personal judgment version, rather than saying, I know I can do better. It's well, I think you can do better, my spouse or my kid, or I know we can do better, some uh, collective, you know? So, and this is exa exactly the same thing, but, you know, the, replace that with, well, I don't know what you need, you know, because I don't know exactly who you are. And I don't know why these gifts and faults and flaws are here in your life. I don't know to what ultimate ends or purpose they serve because I'm not the master and director of fate or destiny. I am not the orchestrator of the cosmos. I am not the universal intelligence, you know, all in all. I'm a part of it, but I'm not, I can't, my mind can't circumscribe it. I am not the judge and jury and executioner. I don't know what you need. And I don't know what we all need. Now that doesn't mean you can't share like with a spouse, like if they're, if they're, you know, if you, if they need to hear some feedback or, you know, if you want to offer some, some thoughts about how we could get better, it doesn't mean that some critique or feedback or thoughts or reflections on how things or other people could improve is, is never warranted. It's just that where we find ourselves compulsively drawn into criticizing other people or criticizing the world and communities and groups and politics and the news and whatever else, can we just step back from time to time and say, you know what? I don't know what everyone needs. I don't know what everyone's faults or flaws are or why they're there or where they came from. I don't know where it's all going and what, what we all need in the end. None of these, um, none of these little mantras need to invalidate some of the very same impulses that Pluto in Aquarius will bring, such as, you know what, world, we can do better. You know what, I can grow. You know what, I can realize my potential. I can evolve. I can move up toward the stars, the airy sphere of Aquarius. I have so many gifts, you know, <laughs> or I have flaws that I'm so aware of. The heightened intelligence, like an divine architect that can see the inner workings of the mind and the psyche and be a wise judge. That's part of Aquarius. You can think sometimes, one time I had a dream. Sometimes I have crazy dream images that help me understand signs. And there was this beautiful, it was a judge's, um, you know, the, what do they call that? Uh, like the, not the, not, is it the judge's bench? It's the thing that they sit behind, right? I think that's the judge's bench. And it was really, really, really extraordinarily tall. And it was just totally, it was going way up into uh, the, the clouds and then up into the stars. And there was a judge sitting on it with like angelic white hair full of stars, like flowing down over the top of the judge's um, like bench. And it was like a, the, the tower of the judge was also like a skyscraper. 
um, which was this very like human architectural design. Um, but then it extended into this sort of ethereal dimension. There was this judge and I could only see the judge's hair, like angelic white hair falling over it. And in the dream, I knew that that was Aquarius. <laughs> and I was like, wow, such a crazy dream image. Um, but I've always thought about that, that Aquarius does offer us this 20,000 foot oversight. And, and there's a lot in that that can offer us like, you know, feedback. You're, here's your potential. Here's how you can become more evolved. Uh, you know, here are your gifts or flaws. Uh, it's a Saturn, a Saturn ruled air sign, you know. Um, but we, we do have to be careful because Pluto uh, puts us in touch with the unconscious. And it, what is the unconscious of any given sign? So Pluto and Aquarius, one of the unconscious portions of Pluto and Aquarius will be the perfectionism that is not so healthy. And so hopefully today, this has been a good exercise in sort of making ourselves aware of that tendency and just remembering some of these mantras that we can work with as um, like antidotes to those, to those voices of judgment and critique and um, perfectionism uh, when they grow too strong. So anyway, I hope you're having a great week and that this serves you and uh, your experience of Pluto entering the sign of Aquarius. And we will talk again soon. Bye, everyone.